Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Thank you, Gil. As uh, as always, I appreciate your your leadership and worship and the songs that you choose that go so well with the message as you have today. You know, I don't uh, I don't often read prayers when I'm praying. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, uh, as long as that prayer comes from your heart. You know, unless, you know, sometimes we can read prayers. That's the only reason that I think a lot of people shy away from reading prayers is because sometimes you can just kind of read them and not think about what you're saying and just kind of go through the motions. It's almost like when we, you know, uh, the Lord's Prayer, I preached that sermon series a few months ago on the Lord's Prayer, and we can do that sometimes, can't we, with the Lord's Prayer, just our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. By thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, and three, two, one, team, go. You know that that kind of stuff. I mean, you know. So uh, a lot of times we, we just we just kind of go through the motion. We don't think about it. And sometimes we do that when we read prayers. But there's nothing wrong with them as long as they're coming from our hearts and we mean it. And sometimes, I mean, I I think you're probably like me in some regards that sometimes our prayers can sort of get in a rut and and. Uh, Maybe even if we're not reading a prayer, we're just we're just kind of saying the same things, and we're not really even thinking about what we're saying. Again, that's dangerous too. That's kind of that vain repetition that Jesus was talking about when he talked about uh, the Lord's prayer. And so, um, but I want to start this sermon by reading a prayer, and it's a prayer that I found several years ago, and it really just spoke to my heart because of the power of this prayer. And so I want to read this prayer to begin this sermon today as we continue thinking about spiritual warfare. If, if this is your first time here, maybe you're visiting or uh, just hadn't been here in a while, starting the month of August, I, I started a sermon series on spiritual warfare out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 that we'll read here in just a moment. Uh, and just the importance of us understanding that we are, we're just in a battle. And it's a never-ending battle. It's a battle. It's a very real battle. Very real war against a very real enemy. We've already talked about all, all of that over the last, this is our fourth Sunday in this uh, series. We've already talked about the enemy that we face and uh, the battles that we fight and, and those types of things. And we'll, we'll see that when we read this passage of Scripture. But it's just so real. And I'm just telling you, uh, the title of the sermon series that you see is It's About to Get Real. And I feel like... I really believe, I try not to say the word think, but I really believe that that this and this and what God's doing and there's so many you know, marks here and just so many ways that we see God just just pouring out his blessings to us. And we say, oh God, you're so awesome. You're just so amazing, Lord. I mean, just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so at the same time that we do that, the enemy knows that that's what we're doing. and we, The enemy knows how God's blessing. And so he's already, I'm telling you right now, this moment, already taking shots and already looking for ways that he can hinder you or trip me up or draw you away or pull me down or divide us or bring disunity or divisiveness and factions and yeah, and he's just looking for every way that he can possibly do that. Especially as we think about revival, if God really 
If he really is, we're not just saying this, but if he really is stirring our hearts in revival, then we really better understand it's about to get real. And so this prayer that I want to pray, and I'm going to pray it, I'm going to read it, but it's a prayer, and we will go to the Lord in prayer to begin this sermon with this, this, this prayer on uh, that deals with spiritual warfare. So join me as we pray right now. Let's go to the Lord. Revelation 12, 17 says, The dragon, who is Satan, was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. That's us, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Heavenly Father, I've never been more aware of how much Satan hates the bride of Christ, your called out beloved people, the church. Having lost your sons and daughters for eternity, Satan will do anything and everything he can, overtly and covertly, to wage war against and in the church. We come to you today interceding for churches, including ours, that are in the pernicious crosshairs and the ugly vortex of Satan's rage and schemes. Father, we praise you for what Satan knows. Revelation 12, 12 says he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. He knows that Jesus has already defeated him. He's the mortally wounded dragon whose head has been crushed, whose works have been destroyed, and whose destiny has been sealed. Hallelujah! We shout with joy and confidence. Though we tremble not for him, knowing that one word from Jesus will fail him, Nonetheless, we are aware that he is constantly threatening to undo us. So hear our prayers for our church family. We pray for a fresh work of the Spirit in the hearts of our leaders, pastors, elders, deacons, and staff. One of the most effective ways Satan attacks a church is by injecting the venom of distrust, divisiveness, and disunity among its leaders. If leaders bite and devour one another, before long the whole church will follow suit. So Father, smite the hearts of our leaders with fresh gospel astonishment. Bring back convictability, humility, civility, and charity. May the leaders of our church family be the ones most obviously committed to keeping and guarding the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. May they be the ones most obviously committed to keeping God's commands, especially the great commandment to love God and to love others, and the new commandment that we should love one another. So Father, we also pray for a renewed gospel centrality in every ministry of our church, in the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the adult ministry, the preaching and teaching and worship ministries, in missions ministry, in every ministry of the church. Because when a church ceases to hold fast their testimony about Jesus, cherishing, applying, and defending the gospel of grace, it becomes vulnerable to every scheme of Satan. No gospel, then no center, no heart, no love, no sanity, no God-honoring witness to the community. Rescue, Lord, rescue our churches from pettiness and petulance.
Father, bring back our churches back to the life-giving lyric and heart-transforming music of the gospel. Father, a, a hypothetical gospel only works for hypothetical sinners. Let us once again know that we are much more broken and in need of your grace than we presently realize and also convince us that we are much more accepted and loved by you than we ever dreamed or imagined. So for the glory of your name, Father, be swift and sure in answering our cry. So very amen, we pray in Jesus' exalted and triumphant name. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. I hope you got your Bible with you today. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, and we'll read through verse 20. This is the passage we've been looking at for the last few weeks, and Lord willing, we'll finish it up next Sunday. So stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. Finally, finally, be strong in the Lord. Thank you, Gil, for leading us in that song. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We ain't fighting each other. But against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, last week we talked about this, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, that's today, and having done all to stand firm. Now this is where we're going to focus through verse 18 today. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And next week we're going to look at verses 19 and 20 and pray also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. That's an incredible passage of Scripture right there. May God bless the reading of His Word this morning. Let's pray one more time. Father, I pray right now that Your Holy Spirit would teach, move, convict, change, do your work in us and glorify you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. You know, I've heard a lot of people, and I'm kind of one of them, right, that, that um, right now I'm not watching a whole lot of news. <laughs> Anybody else like that? It's just like, man, I just, you know, you just, number one, you don't know, you don't know who to believe anymore, and you just, it's just, it's just so discouraging, so depressing, so depressing in so many ways, but if you're on social media, and the vast majority of us are, you're going to get somewhere something. I mean, somebody's going to post a video. Somebody's going to post a link to an article. Uh, somebody's going to be talking about something that's going to cause you to go find out what they're talking about. You know, it's just going to happen. And obviously the thing that's dominating the headlines right now is Afghanistan and how the Taliban has taken over Afghanistan, the fall of Kabul, all of the things that we have seen, if you have watched anything this week, your heart has most likely been broken. Um, as you see the stark terror of war and the evil in so many ways that is being spread across that nation, 
Uh, people literally running for their lives, falling from airplanes, um, hopeless to the point that you would willingly take, you would take your infant child and hand him up to a United States Marine on the top of the wall around the airport and pass him over the razor wire so that hopefully somebody with a good heart will take that child and and make sure that he's okay because you're so hopeless on this side of the wall. War is real and war is deadly. And we're seeing it played out in a extremely difficult way on the other side of the world right now. I'm not talking politics or anything like that. I'm just talking about the fact that right now, as you and I sit here in this relatively safe environment, there are folks who are losing their lives right now. War is real and it's deadly. And spiritual warfare is real and it's deadly. We ain't... <laughs> We're not just preaching this passage of Scripture just because it happens to be my, one of my favorites. Preachers get in trouble if all they do is just preach their favorite passage of Scripture. You can't do that. But this is one of my favorites. I've already told you Ephesians is my favorite book in the Bible. But there's, there is, there's, really a, <laughs> there's really a method to this. There's a reason for this. There's a reason why today, August the 22nd, 2021, we're talking about Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. You know, I don't know know if you know how preachers work or if you even think we do. I mean, there's a lot of folks that think we don't. But so, but, so this, this passage, this passage, this exact passage in this sermon series, I didn't come about last week, didn't come about, come about last month. Uh, the way that I have, and different preachers do it different ways, but the way that I feel is appropriate for me and for the ministry that God's given to me, to you, is about once or twice a year I'll pull away by myself and go uh, to, like I'll go up to Camp Kernop, which is up in North Madison County that belongs to our Metro Baptist Association. I'll go up there by myself. I'll take my Bible and a notebook or my computer, my Bible and my computer. There's no internet up there. I just use the word processor on my computer and just uh, go and just pray and just ask God, what do you want to say to the people of First Baptist Church floor? You're his people. You're not my people. We're his people. And so I believe that our God's big enough that if I will ask him, to tell me what he wants me as your pastor to say to you, guess what? I think God will tell me what he says wants me to tell you as your pastor. Amen. You think that? I mean, I think that's the way it's supposed to work. And that's, and so maybe six months ago, nine months ago, I can't remember, you know, I went to Camp Kernop and went up there by myself and just did that and, and, and decided six months ago, nine months ago, then in August, I would preach a sermon series on, spiritual warfare and call it it's about to get real and on this day I would preach this passage of scripture and and just I just believe that it's and this is not about me but I just believe it's what God has for us right now and that he's revealing that and showing that to us over and over again 
Sometimes it's by folks just, you know, calling or texting or emailing or saying something. Or, man, John, that spoke to my heart. That's exactly what I needed, blah, blah. And that makes me feel good. Thanks. I'm not fishing for compliments, but, you know, whatever. But sometimes it's like that. But then, some, but then, this, but then like this week, I look for these little, these little aha moments <laughs> where God just goes, hey, hey, see there? Does ever God ever do it? Just go, hey, boom, hey, you, you see, see what I was talking about? Does ever God ever do that? Do you see what I was talking about? See what? See? Do you see that? So this past week, I like to listen to Tony Evans. Anybody got any Tony Evans uh, fans? I like me some Tony Evans, man. So uh, Tony's a pastor out in Dallas, Texas, African American, but incredible preacher, man. I love that guy, and so I listen to him all the time. And uh, I, uh, you know, listen to podcasts, and and he's and so this. I was uh, exercising this past week, yeah, and and uh, so I was listening to Tony Evans. Why? And guess what he was preaching on? Ephesians chapter six, verses fourteen through eighteen. <laughs> see, see, John, I'm trying to tell you something. And so I went, okay, God, I'm listening. So then a couple of days later, I opened up my email on my uh, uh, computer and just going through my emails and stuff like that. And I'm a member of a, of a, uh, uh, on this website. Um, and I'm, <laughs> let me, t- I'm going to tell you this and then I'm going to, uh, before you, anyway, I'm, a, I'm a member of a website called sermoncentral.com, but I don't get all of my sermons off of the internet. Okay. I know that's well. Well, he don't do nothing. See, I told you all he does. Goes and gets his sermon off the opera, and then he, he don't do nothing. I said, no, that ain't the way it works. Let me tell you what that sermon, you could right now, you if you wanted to, you could go to sermoncentral.com and type my name in, and it would pull up all of my sermon notes for the last probably 15 years. And 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 I'll just put it, I'll put, like tomorrow, I will take these sermon notes and put them on that website. And then if anybody anywhere in the world decides they want to preach Ephesians chapter 6 because we preachers are always looking we're looking everywhere for stuff to, to pull from and, and ideas and thoughts and people's and and and, and they, they could pull this up and like about six weeks ago I get a, I get an email from a pastor in Brazil and I, I thought I thought it might have been one of those one of those emails where it says, you know, I have come into a large sum of money, and you know, I, I thought that's a, but it was really it was a real pastor from Brazil who said, you know, Pastor John Daniels, I want you to know that and thank you for the sermon that you preached on whatever it was, and I used that sermon in my church in Brazil last Sunday, and I want to thank you very much for it. And he was just like, wow, man, that's pretty cool. So anyway, I just tell you that. Tell you that I don't pull my sermons off the internet, but but so I opened up my email. And I was going through there, and there was an email in there from SermonCentral.com. And guess what the theme for this week was? Spiritual warfare, the armor of God. Man, God's trying to tell us something. He's, oh, back up. He's trying to tell me something. If you just happen to get in on it too, that's fine. But he's trying to tell me something. And I promise you, when I think about what God's saying, it just blows my mind. And Paul knew that spiritual warfare is real. And that Paul, when he wrote this, Paul's sitting in a in a Roman prison cell, and 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 he's sitting there. He very well may have been chained up to a Roman soldier. 
If, if not that, there had to be one just standing right outside his cell there, standing guard or something. So Paul's sitting there and he starts writing this stuff and he's as the Holy Spirit begins to move and inspire him to write this stuff down, that's how we got the Bible. Everybody in here was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this down. That's why every word in this book is the truth, amen, because the Holy Spirit inspired people to write it down. And so Paul's sitting there under arrest. He's in a Roman prison cell. He knows that war is real and deadly because there's a good chance that this dude that he's chained up to right here may end up taking his life. But the Holy Spirit begins to... And so Paul's sitting there and he looks over and he goes, that guy's got a belt on. That's, that's like the truth of God. And his breastplate that he's got on there, that's man, like that's like the righteousness of God. And his shoes, like the the gospel of peace, the readiness of the gospel. And that's how the Holy Spirit does it. That's how he did it. And so Paul's telling us this stuff to help us understand. He looks at this guy and the Holy Spirit leads him to write this stuff down so that you and I will understand that the application of this message is that God in His grace has given us the armor we need to stand against the enemy's attacks. It's because Paul's sitting in that cell and the Holy Spirit says, tells him, write this stuff down. As you're looking at that guy, write this stuff down. Because there's going to be some folks at First Baptist Church, Flora, August the 22nd, 2021, that are going to need to hear this. Now, did the Holy Spirit tell him that about you and me? I don't know about that, but I do know. I do know that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write it 2,000 years ago. Part of the reason was because you and I needed to hear it today. Today. There's one writer that said this, the very fact that we are told to clothe ourselves in this armor, that we have to put on each piece and are more or less told how to use each piece, brings home again that part of the teaching, that part of the teaching which emphasizes that every one of us, every one of us is engaged in this battle and that the first thing that we have to learn as Christians is how to fight the good fight of the faith. So get ready to put your armor on. Number one, buckle your belt. Buckle your belt. Look what Paul said there, back to verse 14, stand there for having fastened on the belt of the truth. Now most men in this room have got belts on. Hold our britches up. We got belts on. It's a fashion statement maybe. Maybe you got your favorite team on yours. Maybe you got a big belt buckle if you do that. Kind of, but it's the, the utility of that is to keep our pants on. And we're thankful that they those belts work. So anyway, so you got your belt on. So when Paul looked over at this guy and he saw his belt, it wasn't because he had pants on. That needed, it was because that belt served a purpose. These guys didn't wear pants like us. They wore robes. They wore these tunics that would go all the way down to almost to their feet. So you don't want to have to go out and fight hand-to-hand. -hand. Remember, this is hand-to-hand -hand combat. What we're talking about here, when Paul back up, when he, Paul said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil, principality. The word wrestle means hand-to-hand -hand combat to the death. 
hand-to-hand a wrestling match to the death. The goal of the wrestling match is to pin your opponent to the mat and choke him until he dies. And that's what Satan is trying to do to you and me. And so if you're doing hand-to-hand combat with somebody, you don't want your feet all tangled up in some kind of robe. So the guys would reach down before they went into the battle. They'd reach down and grab that robe and pull it up and stuff it into his, his, his belt so that he had the freedom then to move and to be able to, to fight that enemy when he came against him. And so that belt held everything together. It's like a combat uh, a soldier today wears a combat harness. Some of you military guys could speak more to this than me, but wears a harness where he can hang his weapons if he needs to. Maybe a ha- some hand grenades or he's got some pouches where he can put extra magazines with his, with his ammunition and some other things like that. And he's got everything he needs right there to be able to fight his battle. And and that belt, but that belt held everything together. It's the belt of truth. And here's the truth for you and me, is that the truth of God is what holds it all together for you and me. Do you know why we tell you to read your Bible so much? It's because the truth of God is revealed right here. And you need to be in the Word. So when the enemy comes against you and he starts accusing you and he starts lying to you because that's what he does every time he opens his mouth, then you go back at him with the truth of God. What is the truth of God? The truth that God is holy. The truth that God is righteous. The truth that God is perfect. The truth that all of God's ways are right. The truth that that God's mercies endure forever. The truth that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The truth that Jesus was uh, crucified and buried and resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the throne of the Father where He is right now. And one day He's going to come back to get you and me. The truth that salvation is by faith in Christ and Christ alone. The truth that once you give your life to Christ, you are forever secure in the love of God. The truth that the Holy Spirit comes to you and me and He seals our salvation for all eternity. And He teaches us the truths that we need to know about the Lord. The truth that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So when the enemy comes against you with all of his lies, you snap on and cinch that belt up, the belt of the truth of God. So buckle your belt because truth of the matter is there's a whole bunch of folks that are unbuckling their belt these days maybe even folks in this room i mean i don't believe that stuff all this stuff i learned when i was back in grade school and bible school i don't believe that stuff anymore when you look around you tell me there's a god who loves to look at all the suffering in our world you think god that that can't be no god of love yeah i might have believed i don't believe that stuff we start unbuckling that belt Jesus, why? How do you know Jesus is the only way? When there's so many world religions, we just unbuckle that belt. How do you know the Bible is really the true Word of God? When you got the Book of Mormon, you got the Koran, and you got all this other stuff, we just unbuckle that belt a little bit more. You start loosening that belt up, and when that happens, stuff just starts falling off. Buckle your belt. Secondly, position your breastplate. You think about that breastplate. Paul's looking. He looks at that, look at that soldier. There's a breastplate on that soldier. It goes from here to here. What's between here and here? <laughs> a lot of important stuff, right? I mean, namely that heart that's right there. You got to protect that at all costs. So you keep that breastplate of righteousness. 
What does that even mean, John? What is righteousness? It means simply this. Listen, listen, come here. It means when you give your life to Christ, like these people professed before us today, when you give your life to Christ, you, listen, you are made right with God. Period. Your righteousness is you. Your righteousness is, is not based on you doing a bunch of right stuff. Now, there's a place for that, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But you, my child of God, my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, you are already declared righteous by God. You are right. That is your position. That's why I chose that word, position your breastplate, because that is your position. You are righteous. You have been made right with God, and that will never change. No matter what the enemy whispers in your ear, no matter how he tries to tell you that you're not worthy of this, you ain't worthy of it. Your worthiness only comes from Christ. So we have our positional righteousness. That is Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1. We have been made right in God's sight by faith. So we are positionally righteous, and then there is what is our practical righteousness. Here's the deal. So because you have been made right with God, now, my, dude, go live right. Go live for the glory of God. Not to try to gain God's favor. Oh, God, look how good a little boy I'm being. But it's because you are right with God that you have the privilege and the honor now to go live a life that brings honor and glory to Him. And when you do that, you keep that breastplate in place and you protect that heart. You protect your heart. You start choosing to walk away from the Lord, you start choosing to give in to temptation, then you'll just slide that breastplate out of the way and there's that heart just exposed, right, for the enemy to take his best shot and he will take his best shot every time. As soon as you move that breastplate aside, as soon as you step into sin, as soon as you give in to temptation, as soon as you walk away from the Lord, he will take his best shot every time. He'll never miss when you move that breastplate aside. Position your breastplate. Tie your shoes. <laughs> Tie your shoes. Paul looked over that guy and shoes with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Uh, gospel of peace. Now he, when he saw shoes, he didn't see Cole Hahn shoes. He didn't see boots. He didn't see tennis shoes. He didn't see high heels or anything like that. I mean, he didn't see what he saw. He saw some sandals. But if that guy had turned his foot up like that, he would have seen some, like some hobnails on the bottom of those sandals. We tell our kids, tie your shoes. But before we tell them to tie your shoes, we teach them how to tie their shoes. And so we stand in the truth of the gospel. He looked and saw those hobnails. Some of you guys, that, some of y'all that have been athletes or you, know, you played football, you had... You made sure you had cleats that would keep your footing sure when that guy came across the line. If you played soccer like my son did, you had cleats so you could plant your foot and turn to be able to kick the ball. If you played baseball, you had cleats so that you could run uh, down the baseline so that you could perform to the very best of your ability. And so our feet are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of 
peace. If there's ever been a time in my 57 years of life that our world and this community of Florida, Mississippi needs to hear about the peace of Christ, it's right now. We need to be telling people about Jesus who is the Prince of Peace because He's the only one that can bring them the peace that they need. Man, listen, peace isn't going to come through governments uh, writing treaties or from military forces going in and wiping out nations. That'll bring peace. No, it won't. We had, we've never had peace in this world. Never. Never. Never will. The only peace that we can have is the peace that comes through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And our feet must be fitted with the readiness, the readiness of the gospel of peace that you put those shoes on and you're ready. You are ready to go tell somebody about Jesus. You're ready to go proclaim the gospel of peace to somebody because our world needs to hear it. So tie your shoes, man. Get those shoes on. Then raise your shield. Raise your shield. I got to hurry, y'all. Raise your shield. Listen, I'm not talking about a little round shield that you might see on uh, 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 some type of knight or something like that. If Paul looked at this guy, good chance that if, if this soldier had a shield, his shield probably would have been leaning up against the wall back here because the shield would have been about as tall as that soldier and been about as wide as that soldier. And so when they would go out to battle, the shield of faith, they would go out to battle, and they you don't go by yourself into battle. You just don't do that. That's just, that's just suicide. That's a kamikaze mission. That's a suicide mission. You don't go by yourself. You go with your platoon. You go with your squad. You go with your battalion. You go out there together. And so you go and you take your shield out there and, and your buddy beside you takes his shield and the guy next to him takes his shield and this guy over here takes... And so the enemy's coming. So you lock those shields together and all of a sudden you got a solid wall to stand behind and the enemy can shoot those flaming arrows all he wants to, but they're never going to get through that wall. Never going to get through that wall. The shield of faith. How do you stop that? Let me tell you something. Those arrows are going to keep coming. They're coming right now. They're being shot at you and me right now. Those arrows. Flaming arrows. Now, if I was going to take out one person, if I wanted to kill one person, I would, I would use a regular arrow. Some of you deer hunters, they go, go do bow hunting and stuff like that. You go out, you take one arrow, and you go kill one deer with one arrow. Unless you get lucky and it goes through and it gets another one that you didn't see like I've heard. But you go out, and your intent is to take this one arrow and go shoot it and kill that one deer with that one arrow. Now, if I wanted to kill one person, that's what I But if I wanted to take out like a whole group of people, I'd shoot some of them flaming arrows. Because when they hit, the flames splatter everywhere. So yeah, you may hit one person, but you've set three or four people around them on, on fire. You've injured a bunch more people. And you just keep hitting those, shooting those arrows, and then it just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. So you see how the enemy does that? He shoots flaming arrows at you because he knows if he can get you to move that shield away, that shield of faith, faith believing when I can't see it, believing when I don't understand it, standing on the truth of God no matter what, but you move that shield away and he keeps shooting those arrows. He knows if he can get you, then he's going to take out the person next to you. He's going to take out your Sunday school class. He's going to take out the deacons. He's going to take out the entire church eventually because those arrows are designed to injure a whole lot more people. That's why this week, so you put your helmet out. that's the next one. Put your helmet on. Put your helmet on. Wear your helmet. Protect your mind, your salvation. The helmet of salvation. 
Protect your mind because Satan's going to continue shooting those arrows at your mind. The mind is the battlefield. Those thoughts of anxiety that kept you up this week and you couldn't sleep, guess where those came from? Those lustful thoughts that you had when you were on the beach two weeks ago and that chick walked by or that guy walked by and you had that, guess where those came from? Those thoughts of bitterness that you've got in your heart right now, those thoughts of racism that you've got in your heart right now, those, those thoughts of covetousness and jealousy and, and unforgiveness and, and anger and all those, all those things. You know all those thoughts that keep pounding away at you? You know what those are? Arrows, 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 arrows. So you see why it's so important that each one of us keep our armor on? Because he knows if he can get you to keep massaging and feeding that bitterness, then you're going to go tell somebody about how mad you are and how much you dislike this person over here. There you go. You just pulled somebody else. He's got somebody else now. And it's just going to kind of grow from there. It's going to start infecting a lot more people. That, that person who's at work with you, that person that you kind of got your, got your eye on, that's kind of caught your attention and starting to have some lustful thoughts and, so you just decide ask them to come in your office and have a little conversation with them about some business thing, but you make a few comments about how pretty she looks today or how nice he looks today or something like that. Then, you know, a couple of weeks from now, you all decide, you know, we need to go have a business lunch together and talk about some stuff related to work stuff. And so you go do that, just the two of you. It'd be fine. We're going to talk work stuff. It'd be in the middle of the day. Everything will be fine. No problem. And it goes from that. Well, let's go have dinner after work tonight. Let's do that. We've got some other stuff we need to talk about. And then next thing you know, you've, you've gone on a business trip together and then you got a room together and you've destroyed your marriage. You've destroyed your family. You've destroyed her family, his family. And then you've destroyed the churches that they're a part of. You know, how would you like, how about if your pastor goes and does that, goes to a conference and just, you know, away from Vicky and nobody would know. And so I just, you know, decide that, you know, while I'm away, I'll just have me a little fling and nobody will really know. That's not a problem. But then once you find out and then, destroyed me and my family, my wife, my kids, any person that's ever heard me preach the gospel, well, he's a fake, he's a sham, he's a piece of whatever. I'm never going to believe another word that another preacher says. Those flaming arrows. You see when you better keep that shield up? You see when you better be keeping that, keeping that helmet on? Draw your sword. Draw your sword. You know why we do these Bible verses? When Paul looked over at that guy, that soldier, he didn't have a big old broadsword. He had a little dagger. Because it's hand-to-hand -hand combat. You don't want to pull that big sword out when this guy's right up on top. You want to pull that dagger out that the guy had on his side or had up here in his bed, and you pull it out so you can do hand-to-hand -hand close combat. That's why we memorize verses of Scripture. Think about the one we're memorizing right now. God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my life. What if you get a phone call from your doctor this week and things have gone south in that, uh, that, that medical test? That you, and God, you're my sustainer, Lord. God, you're my helper. When you're facing temptation, God, you're my helper. And you pull out the word of God and you start doing, you start doing battle with the enemy. And then you speak your prayers. You pray all the time. Paul said, pray without ceasing, ceasing, all the time, in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, keeping alert, being persistent. Listen, this hit and miss kind of stuff doesn't cut it. You're opening yourself up wide open to the enemy. If you've got a hit and miss relationship with the Lord, 
and praying for all the saints. That means praying for you, praying for me, us praying for each other. Man, I'll tell you something. Just this past week, I got a text message from somebody right in the middle of the week, just bless my socks off. Just out of nowhere, I got this text message, and the guy said to me, he said, hey, I just want you to know, I hope you know I pray for you every day. I'm not asking you to send me that text message. I'm not fishing for that. But I'll tell you something, that's what, that just blessed my heart that a brother in Christ just would send that to me. Let me know he's praying for me, praying for all the saints all the time. So put that armor on. I told you when we began this sermon, I'm finished. This is, I'm, I'm done. This is the last thing. I, I told you when I, we began this sermon series, I was going to try to end each sermon on a victorious note. And this is coming from Charles Spurgeon, great prince of preachers. And he said this, talking about battling the enemy, he said this, this is what we have to do. We are to resist him by all means. Let us do this bravely and tell him to his teeth that we are not afraid of him. Tell him to recollect his bruised head, which he tries to cover with a crown of pride. Uh, We know him and we see the deadly wound he bears. His power is gone. He's fighting a lost battle. He's contending against omnipotence. He has set himself against the oath of the Father, against the blood of the incarnate Son, against the eternal power and the Godhead of the blessed Holy Spirit. Therefore, brethren, be ye steadfast in resisting the evil one, being strong in the faith, giving glory to God. Amen. The church said, amen. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us, Lord. Put that armor on and keep that armor on, Lord. The enemy is relentless. Father, help us to hear from you, to respond in obedience, to be strong in you. In Jesus' name, amen.